So originally I had all these amazing plans. I was going to have six months off, go visit family and friends, and then, oh no, you're not. You're going to go and stay at home and be your daughter's school teacher, which, as much as it wasn't intended that way, was the best thing that could have happened. Hello and welcome to The Growth Business, a podcast sponsored by Sapphire, home of frictionless digital systems. I'm your host, Lucy Thorpe, and this month I'm joined by the multi-talented Yvonne Matsk. She's a performance coach, consultant, community builder, speaker, and women in tech advocate. She's also the founder of the Channel Community, which is on a quest to unlock the potential of IT channel professionals with community building, mentoring, and support. Welcome, Yvonne. Thanks, Lucy. Thanks for having me. It's lovely to have you here. Um, I'd really like to talk about the channel community. But first, before we kind of dig into that and talk about what that is, let's sort of get an intro from you on how you've got to to where you are. Started in sales, progressed through to um, becoming a sales specialist, became very knowledgeable and passionate about Cisco, got headhunted by Kelway um, to build their Cisco business. And then through the success with that business, um, I got promoted um, to become a director of the Partners and Marketing Division for um, what became CDW. After quite a number of years of doing that, I think it just got to a period of time where I decided I needed to do something different. And as much as it was an amazing journey, with that role came lots of travel. And I found myself being away from home like 12 weeks a year. And as much as everyone thinks Vegas is a great place to go when you're there four times a year, It's not that fun, especially with a young child. And I think it just got to a point where I had an opportunity to think about doing something different. And I made the decision to do that and then decided to leave to explore what that was going to be. And it ended up being right at the start of the global pandemic. Um, So originally I had all these amazing plans. I was going to have six months off, go visit family and friends. And then, oh, no, you're not. You're going to go and stay at home and be your daughter's school teacher, which as much as it wasn't intended that way, was the best thing that could have happened. So I spent a lot of that first sort of lockdown really reflecting, thinking about what it is that I wanted to do and felt that I actually really enjoyed being at home. And I'd always wanted to explore coaching. So did a foundation course, fell in love with it and thought, oh my goodness, if I can fully qualify, I can help and support and nurture way more people by being a coach than I could just going back into the industry in a corporate leadership position. Mm. So that's what I did. And that's where Couture was born, which is my coaching and consultancy business. And then off the back of that, it was it highlighted the need for a bit of a community. So I was always very, very fortunate to have an amazing network of people. Um, Chris Gabriel, one of your awesome employees, being one of them. And not everyone has that. And I think when you go from working for a large corporate to being on your own, you realise it can be quite lonely. And not lonely is in, oh, you're on your own, sad, oh, I'm in my office on my own. Lonely is in no one to share ideas with because you can make lots of mistakes. I mean, the amount of domain names I've got registered because I thought they were a great idea. So I thought, how can I help bridge that gap? And that's when the channel community was born as well to sort of go alongside that. So that's my sort of pro bono stuff in terms of building a community along with some industry peers that I've known for many years with the coaching and consulting. Brilliant. 
Having children and the pandemic, two things there. I mean, they're both real kind of breaks, particularly in a, in a woman's life, when you stand back and get an opportunity to think, what do I want to do? Not everybody, particularly if blokes don't take paternity leave, we don't have that kind of break where we can take a breath. And that's where all your stuff comes in, isn't it? The, the coaching and the mentoring and having a career change. So, I mean, the timing of the pandemic was good and bad obviously I'd already made the the decision that I needed to take some time out because you're 100 miles an hour big corporate jobs have big corporate responsibilities and you're tied to that business you know it pays really well but that comes at a price it means that you you're never at home and you you get to a point where you have to think is it worth it you know it is worth it for some point but then it gets to that sort of transition and someone explained it really well to me you've done what you needed to do to have everything you need to have to now be the person that you want to be and I think that's the place that I'd got to whereas I was in a fortunate position where I didn't have to earn that money anymore so what is it that I wanted to do where I feel like I was actually making a real difference and giving back and also being there for my little girl who was at an age where she was really starting to miss me being away when she was younger she didn't care she just wanted to know what teddy or toy or sweets that were coming back from the states on all of my trips but I think when you they get to a certain age the hormones kicking the emotions start and then they start to to want you a bit more and I didn't have my daughter to not be around for her so it was sort of like Ariana Huffington explained it brilliantly. She said, um, when they take the baby out, they put the guilt in. And it's something that men just don't seem to get. It's weird. <laughs> yeah, this this sort of self-knowledge is really important. And I think sometimes you don't necessarily get it unless you, you live through it. I've mentioned on this podcast before that I gave up work for a number of years and didn't do a a, a full-time job certainly while I had my girls but now they're off and and I'm raring to go again and we're like this kind of second flush of energy and and that kind of knowledge about what you want and when you want it is that what your coaching tries to sort of bring out from people yeah when you when you start off early in your career you're focused on earning money is your number one priority because there's certain things that you need you know, you, you need to, you want to leave home. So you might need a house or you might need to rent somewhere. You might need a car. So there's certain drivers that are a bit more materialistic because of the fact that it's what you need to be able to be independent and, and start to build a life for yourself. Um, the IT industry is a great place for you to, to be able to do that. But then once you've got enough money, you've got your house and you've got your car and you, you can go on your holidays, then it becomes more about purpose and values start to become more important than the materialistic side of things because that will only ever get you so far so the coaching what that does is try and help people really get to the reason why they do what they do um i'm a massive simon cynic fan and he has this great but he's he's an internal optimist and um he says you know most people know what they do but not everyone knows why they do it so if you can understand why you do something then it makes it more purposeful and you'll enjoy what you do way more than just doing a job brilliant and I love the stuff about values as well and that that crops up in all kinds of coaching even kind of like relationship coaching where they say you've got to align with other people in your life who share your values otherwise you just feel 
sort of dislocated the whole time. Yeah, absolutely. So look, I saw you doing some research the other day, busily out there on uh, <laughs> on LinkedIn and email, and it looked like a fascinating piece of research about about confidence, wasn't it? And about whether or not, you know, the way that we're brought up and whether we have confidence growing up is then going to go on and affect us in our in our work lives is that essentially what what it's about do you know the results yet yeah I've got I've got some of the results I'm still I'm still sort of trying to collate them all and I want to do some a bit deeper exploratory work with some interviews but um the overall initial feedback has been consistent with my theory and it was more of a sort of backing up what a bit of a hunch that I had um, around my own personal experience and me as an individual and the whole reason behind it was a bit of reverse engineering because you know I was brought up to believe I could be whatever I wanted you know I was always a happy confident fearless brave little girl that always thought she could do anything she wanted because no one told me I couldn't Yet a lot of my friends who had different types of upbringing lack confidence. And I'm like, why am I confident? And they're not. You sort of take it for granted. So I sort of started to look a lot deeper into how they were brought up. You know, some of my own personal experiences from the school playground, looking at some of the kids that I see and how they're brought up. But also it's not just your upbringing, it's how other outside influences in your early adolescence and into early adulthood can also influence your confidence um so sort of gathering all that knowledge and try to get some rather than keep looking at the symptoms which is what we generally do so things like imposter syndrome self-doubt anxiety why don't we look at the cause because unless you look at the cause and deal with the root cause of why people lack the confidence in the first place it's just like papering over the cracks or putting a plaster over a gaping wound so the concept is if we can start to bring and tie the links together First of all, they can understand it more effectively. So if you understand why, you can then start to to unravel it all and then, you know, move forward with it once and for all, rather than it keep coming back. I mean, it's really interesting. Obviously, it's got implications for women, um, as you say, things like imposter syndrome. But men suffer from imposter syndrome as well. And I do sometimes hear, particularly in tech, where we are wonderfully open, we don't insist everybody's a graduate. Then you speak to people who haven't, been to university and sometimes you just get that little bit of kind of I'm not quite good enough and it's like yes you are good enough but we have to we all have to overcome some of these kind of they're prejudices really aren't they I guess prejudices and preconditioning um so again a lot of what one of the reasons why I've done some of this work is to really understand why people behave the way they do to other people as well so I got bullied as a kid. I also had situations in my early career and later on in my career where I was bullied in the workplace, but also by people outside of my company. And then I sort of questioned why that was, because I've never been, you know, I've not, I've never did anything nastily. And it was always when you seem to achieve something, there's always somewhere like the whack-a-mole there to whack you back down in the hole again. And then I read this book and it's called Untamed by Glennon Doyle. And she talks about it in there, about how the more successful, confident and happy a guy is, the more we like and trust him. Yet the more happy, confident and successful a woman is, the more we dislike and distrust them. So because girls want to, you know, they're more worried about being liked and trusted. They don't put themselves forward and celebrate their achievements. But it also made me understand, wow, so it wasn't me, it's them. 
It was how they were conditioned. They were conditioned not to like me because I was happy and I was successful and I was confident. And so actually it it was it was a, it was really cathartic because I could finally forgive them for saying and saying actually I now know it wasn't your fault. It's just how you were brought up. Yeah, all this the, the stuff about being women being bossy and aggressive. I was going to mention that because I know it's been International Women's Day and that uh, that you guys did a post about you know how women are often seen as as being too much almost. I don't know if you've been watching this program on the television about Paula Yates, who was a fantastic television presenter in the eighties. Not everyone will know who she was, but she got so much stick, didn't she? It so much really came down on her. But just yeah. being pretty much out there and confident. She wasn't in the stereotype. People like to put people in boxes, right? It's what you do. Everyone has an a, an unconscious bias. Everybody does. Whether you like it or not, we all have them. And we all stereotype. It's because it's naturally ingrained with us to do that. So it's those stereotypes and it's that going against the norm. People like people to be unhappy because if they're unhappy it makes them feel happy in someone else's unhappiness so oh oh you know they're really sad that means that I'm okay to feel sad and I can play the victim but they don't like people because every time they see someone that's happy and successful you're making them doubt themselves because why are you happy and successful and they're not so it's never about you as the person it's about them as the individual and understanding why they feel the way they do because you're, especially someone like myself who was born in a council house, working class, doesn't have a degree, has gone on to have a really successful career. I must knock the hell out of people because, like, how has she done that? You know, I'm not, I'm normal. I, if I can do it, everybody can do it, which is one of the big drivers of my why because of my upbringing, because of the situations I dealt with is to inspire and empower others so they feel courageous to realise their full potential and are the best versions of themselves. Because every single person has the ability to improve and become the person that they want to be. It's only themselves and their mind and their inner talk and their inner critic that stops them from doing it. And this is the kind of stuff that comes up, doesn't it, when when you do mentoring? Um, because I know because I've been on a mentoring programme uh, with you at Sapphire and I've had the privilege of being able to speak to young mentees but it's it's amazing to be able to bring to the table our experience of what we've been through with younger people who are going through it the first time to be able to turn around and say yeah it's not you it's them Men- mentoring is is part of what you do with the channel community isn't it let me give you an opportunity to to talk about that yeah so mentoring is one of the the mainstreams of the purpose of the channel community so Unless you work for a large corporate or vendor, you struggle to have access to mentors. And there are a lot of roles in our industry that are quite solitary, um, i.e. you're the only person that does it. Or the more senior you get, again, it's very lonely. So who do you go to for that support? So mentoring, people assume that it has to be very formal, one-to-one, a bit like a coaching arrangement, but it absolutely isn't. You know, you can just be a fireside chat. It could just be, you know... The, a bit of advice from somebody that's done something very similar to you that is all still mentoring it's just very informal as opposed to the more formal structured mentoring which is um, where you match we match channel buddies with mentees so we um we have a number of channel buddies we call them because we feel the name mentor can be a little bit elitist or put people off and the whole concept behind it is this isn't about someone being better than you. This is about someone that's 
willing to help you. And actually, they'll probably learn as much the other way as well. And I gain as much knowledge from working with the younger generation than I do helping the younger generation. Yeah, I think it's really vital, actually, um, particularly, as you say, before with hybrid working and things and some of the lonely roles that we have, that we find as many opportunities as possible to interact, multi-generational, multi-roles. There are people who do uh, jobs in my organisation that I never I never see them, I never talk to them, which is a real shame because we can learn so much, can't we? So much. And I think that's, you know, you, while the mentoring is a big part of the channel community, the networking, the community itself is also a massive part of it because I'm, again, very fortunate. I have an amazing network and networking I've always found quite naturally, you know, I've always found, you know, I've always enjoyed it. I found it quite natural, whereas I know a lot of people don't. And there's a lot of events that happen in our industry that are still quite elitist or they have a perception of grandeur or you feel like you have to be a certain have a certain title to be get an invitation. And it's quite intimidating, especially if you're quite young and a bit introverted, but you know that you want to broaden your network outside of your own company. So we provide that safe space for them to be able to do it. And I think that's been one of the best pieces of feedback that we've got. Everybody feels like it's a safe space. It's a welcoming, warm environment. Everybody's there because they want to be part of something that's bigger than themselves. They're all wanting to give back. They're there for the right reasons. And, you know, we treat everybody as an equal, irrespective of your role, your job title or where you've come from or your experience. You're a human. No, that's that's lovely. And it's very encouraging. Absolutely. Um, we're sort of coming towards the end of our chat now. I just wanted to ask you like a bigger question. We're getting involved in all these. We're getting involved in people's lives and people's confidence and people's ability to relate to other people. Do you believe that it is the business of business to sort of get involved in all this stuff? I guess you do because you've made your career out of it. <laughs> I think it's a bit, you know, it's a bit like school saying, do the teachers have Uh, duty of care with their students you know you do have a part to play it's not all your responsibility but if you think about uh, mental health and those types of areas absolutely in terms of forcing someone to want to progress no because not everybody wants to be the next superstar some people are quite happy just being rock stars um, and why by rock stars, I mean the rock of Gibraltar, you know, we need not everyone wants to be off in the, you know, fast paced career, getting promotions every five minutes, because if everybody wanted to do that, we wouldn't have the rock stars to help keep the business afloat. Right. People assume that if you don't want to be a superstar, you're no good, which is absolutely not the case. So we need to spend as much time with the rock stars as we do the superstars. But it's understanding everybody's different needs and how you can support them with your programs, your ESG policies and anything that you can do to help them on their journey. But it's still fundamentally down to them to make that change themselves. Maya Angelou says, you know, if you don't like something, change it. If you can't change it, change your mindset towards it. But you've got to want to make that change. And unless somebody wants to make that difference and wants to make that change, it's like pushing water up a hill. So it becomes, you know, so you can help them, you can guide them, you can support them, 
but they do have to still maintain responsibility for their own course of direction and where they ultimately want to go. Brilliant. That's a perfect way to draw this to a close. Yvonne, thanks so much. Where can people find you if they want to connect with you? LinkedIn, I guess, is one one place. LinkedIn, yeah, that's probably a good place. Either my my website, which is www.coachere.com or the channel community. Um, I'll always be there. So we're, we've got an event actually coming up on 20th of April at your wonderful offices Um, so if you are in the channel and you're free please come along to that fantastic thanks ever so much now that's it for this episode of the growth business but if you've enjoyed our chat today then do please like and subscribe that's it for now though see you next time goodbye